If you are one of the few willing to see the world for what it is, then you know that something's wrong. And the more you look, really the more hopeless it all seems, right? Listen, there is hope. Don't give up yet. You have a role to play in a revolution of love and hope. So stick around and let's talk about it together. If you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? I can think about it. There's if you, just one thing, it's hard to pick, right? There's so much that we want to change and fix, whether it's, it's locally or globally or, or personally. And then the holidays come along and we sing joy to the world. Well, where's the joy? And peace on earth, well, that's a cute idea, right? And all, all of this seems to shine a light on what we truly long for, but, but can't have personally and for the world. See, the holidays can illuminate what is wrong with our life and the world and what little we can do about any of it. Like, what can we really do that makes a difference? What can we really do that, that matters? Maybe give a little money, donate our time. What time? Who has time? We're so busy and there's so much to deal with, including all of our own personal issues and our own lives and, and the lives of those we love. It just seems so hopeless. The real world doesn't give us a lot to really hope for. Man, that's depressing. But we don't have to leave it there. We don't have to give up. We don't have to ignore it. We don't have to distract ourselves with something else. There is hope. There is real hope. Hope that things don't have to stay this way. Hope that our lives actually matter. Hope that we can make a difference. See, Jesus invites us to join a revolution of hope. Now, the world before the first Christmas was just as, if not more hopeless, than ours can seem now. For the average person, there you never knew if you were going to have enough food the next day. There was no health care whatsoever, except maybe a few leeches in the, in the pond. Life was hard. Like, think about it. Most of us live better than the richest person in the first century. Like, we have hot running water and indoor plumbing. The, these people had no political power, no, no authority, no rights and protections if they were abused by the authorities. And the most vulnerable and weakest in the society were unmarried, pregnant teenagers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was that exact person. But Mary wasn't hopeless. See, there was something in Mary that gave her confidence, that gave her purpose. It was real hope. So if you listened to last week, or maybe the, the details from when you were a kid are a little fuzzy, let's, let's review the story of Mary. Mary is a teenager minding her own business when an angel from God appears to her and told her that she's going to have a baby who is going to be the promised one of Israel, the one her people had been waiting for and hoping for for hundreds of years. And Mary was a little confused because she was a good girl and she wasn't married. She was a virgin. And she said, how can a virgin who's never been with a man actually have a baby? That's impossible. And the angel said, well, nothing's impossible with God. He'll make it happen. And Mary believed the angel. And she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And so then she goes and sees her relative Elizabeth, who the angel said was also miraculously pregnant because Mary, Elizabeth was too old to have babies. And now she was going to have a baby. And so Mary goes and sees Elizabeth. And Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? 
When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And then Mary bursts out in this Holy Spirit-inspired song. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And says Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her home. And as we saw last time, Mary had this solid, real hope because she knew the real, solid God. She knew that God was her Savior, the Mighty One, the Holy One, who would do what he said he would do. And she knew her baby was the answer to everything that seemed hopeless in the world. Her baby is the one who would bring what the world desperately needs, a revolution of hope. And so now, let's focus on what Mary says the Savior is going to do. Now listen, before we get into this, as we read it, because it's the Bible, many of us will at first cheer and be like, oh, Mary, you're, you know, you're just so wonderful and holy that the Holy Spirit spoke through you. But as we actually talk about it, then is going to come the, the yeah buts. And some of us might try to distance ourselves from the weight and the reality of what this Savior's revolution really means. And so first, Mary sets the tone. She sets the theme. She says, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. He shows mercy. He blesses. He does good to these people. He gives value and meaning to them in the harsh world. And he does this from generation to generation. He always does this. This is who he is. He's unchanging. See, think about it. The same God Mary knew is the same God who knows you. He says he does this to all those who fear him, who honor him, not like scared of him, but like who honor him, who revere him, who follow him, who are committed to his purpose, the ones who hope in him. And then Mary lays out what all of this is based on, what her hope is based on, God's mercy and love. See, God's revolution is rooted in his mercy and love. And because of that, it completely upturns the usual order of how the world works. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. His mighty arm. Mary, see, Mary believes, as we talked about before, Mary believes there is a God of the universe, a king who rules every dimension and every space and every time, that he is mighty, he is all-powerful, and she knows that he has done tremendous things. Now, the wording of this is actually really important, and we kind of miss it in our English translations. See, from the context, yes, Mary is saying that God has done good, great, tremendous things in the past. But the emphasis on what is really on what he will do. What she's going to describe are things that will happen through her son. They are certain. They are like as good as already done. And so she can speak about them in the past tense because why? Because God said they will happen. And Mary knows that God always accomplishes what he promises. So she can talk about it as it's already been done because he said it will happen. And so what is he going to do? Now I have to give a warning because these sentences are not safe. 
This is not how we picture the sweet, mild, you know, half-smiling Mary with a holy glow around her head, right? This is real, fiery, fed up, empowered by the Holy Spirit, Mary. She's seeing the structures of oppression that are about to be destroyed through her God, through her Savior, through her Son. In fact, uh, scholar Bruce Larson said, these are the most revolutionary words ever spoken. They are terrifying to the establishment, whoever and wherever they are. In the early 1940s, the Archbishop of Canterbury warned his missionaries to India to not even speak these words in public because the authorities might kick the missionaries out of India. So what are these words? Well, he has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. Why is that terrifying to the establishment? Because Jesus' revolution of hope completely disrupts our social hierarchies. I mean, think about it. Who do we usually think or who usually seems blessed by God? It's those with wealth and influence and who get people's attention and have power or or, are attractive or successful, right? Those who are in. And so we give them respect and honor and authority. And we work and we fight to have those things as well. And we think if we don't have those things, well, then that means we maybe we don't matter or we've failed or we're less than or that we will lose. And we think if we do achieve them, well, then we're it. We've made it. We obviously deserve we obviously deserve God's blessing. But the question is, how do we usually get there to like this top echelon? Often, not always, but often, it's on the backs of others. Or it's by grasping at every last shred we can get for ourselves, making sure that the they lose, or at least are demonized and canceled, right? Which is usually the was usually the case in Mary's day. See, the problem wasn't that people had wealth and people had authority. The problem was how they got it and what they did with it and how they treated those who didn't or those who stood in the way of them keeping it. They were taking advantage of those who were weaker. They were hoarding what had been given to them. They were turning a blind eye to those in need and they were abusing their power and position. But Mary knew all wealth, all authority, all power, all influence are actually on loan from the real king. God. And those who trust in what they think is or what should be theirs will be painfully brought to reality by the true authority. Because Jesus's revolution shows us our real worth, identity, and purpose. And those that think they are higher than others are knocked down as their egos are deflated and shown that they are just as in need of God's mercy as the least of these and even the evil them over there. They're shown their real identity, that they are images of God completely dependent on him for everything they have. And they're shown that their purpose is not to yield, is not to wield power and and amass more for themselves, but to love and serve others. See, that's why Mary's younger son said this. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, 
Hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. (laughs) Where do you think James inherited his fire from? Holy cow. See, that is the judgment that God brings in his new revolution on those who think they have it all together. But those who think they are nothing compared to others will actually be elevated as they discover just that they are just as worthy as the greatest. That they're, they're shown their true identity, that they too are images of God who can completely depend on him for everything they need. And they are given real purpose here and now as full citizens of God's kingdom on earth. And I know this is so easy to push back on and maybe try to take Mary's words as like some spiritual metaphor for spiritually poor and proud or whatever, but we can't. We just can't. You know why? Because her baby grew up and said the same thing. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, God blesses you who are poor for the kingdom of God is yours. God blesses you who are hungry now for you will be satisfied. God blesses you who weep now, for in due time you will laugh. What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy, for a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that same way. Then he goes on, he says, What sorrows awaits you who are rich, for you have your happiness now. What sorrow awaits you who are fat and prosperous now, for a time of awful hunger awaits you. What sorrow awaits you who laugh now, for your laughing will turn to mourning and sorrow. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds, for their ancestors also praised false prophets. Mary raised some sons, didn't she? So, is it bad to be rich and therefore good to be poor? No, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is it's bad to abuse authority and power that's been given to us. It's bad to selfishly hoard and spend our wealth on ourselves. It's bad to refuse to see that person as a person created in God's image and they are just as worthy of attention and love and care as you. And then do nothing about their needs if we have the ability. It is bad to think and act and talk like you are better, you are more than, you are greater than, you are holier than, that you deserve more than. See, no matter how rich or poor or influential you are, you matter. You are noticed, you are known, and you are wanted, and you are loved. Jesus' revolution is a revolution of hope because it gives true worth to every human here and now. And this revolution began the moment the Holy Spirit put that baby in Mary. And God began fulfilling his promise to restore our worth. And then Jesus showed us the true nature of the revolution in his life by undoing the power of sin by forgiving people healing people bringing people back from the dead he showed us the true nature of the revolution in his death that he proved our worth by choosing to die for us to free us from sin and to purchase us as his own and he showed it to us in his resurrection that there is hope for more than just this life by rising from the dead he was proof that god will keep his promise to raise his people for eternity. And Jesus continues this revolution today by giving us the Holy Spirit to be our counselor, 
to be our helper by enabling us and empowering his followers to love and carry out his purposes for our lives in the kingdom now. Listen, we are invited to play our own role in Jesus's revolution of hope together. It's what we call the church, individual Jesus followers, living and loving and working together to bring hope to the, a world that has all but given up hope. See, do you want your life to matter? No, I mean, not just be comfortable and, and richer and more successful than that guy or to impress those people. They don't care, by the way. See, do you want your life to actually matter like Mary's and, and James's did? If so, I probably either have good news for you or bad news for you, depending on where you might find yourself right now. But remember, all of this is rooted in God's mercy and love. See, for some, it's good news that no one is more than anyone. No matter where you are from, what you have done, and who you are, you are as worthy as anyone to experience the life Jesus offers. And when we give our life to Jesus and his kingdom, we're now free to be generous and loving and forgiving and accepting. And you are invited to receive this love of your God, to, to accept his invitation to join his revolution. And for others, I know this might be more difficult because you might have more to give up when you accept that no one is more than anyone else. Like maybe you built, you're not going to say this probably, but maybe you built your identity on being more than, right? You worked and you studied harder than them. You've sacrificed more than them. Your choices were better than them. Your values are purer, purer than theirs. And therefore you deserve what you have, right? Listen, you are as worthy as anyone else to experience the life Jesus offers. Your goodness and your success and your education and your values and your politics and your race doesn't make you any more worthy of Jesus's love. Yes, you have more to give up. That's why Jesus said, I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. It's, he's not like mincing words, is he? But we like, we, we've heard that part a lot, but there's more to it. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved? They asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. See, when we are willing to join his revolution in his love and mercy, Jesus transforms our hearts and we find true life. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life, everything that makes your life your life, if you give up your life for me, you will find it. You will find real life. See, it might be hard to give it all up, but in Jesus' love and mercy, we find real life. And you are invited to accept the mercy and love of your God and his invitation to join his revolution. So whether you find yourself as, as less than or more than right now, I'm going to lean on you a little bit more than, than we usually do in these episodes. Because you are invited today, not tomorrow, not someday, not after the holidays, not in the new year. The revolution is here now. Your invitation has already been given. For many of you, it's time to choose today. Whether you've seen yourself as less than or more than, you are exactly what Jesus said you are. 
an image of God that he died for and that he longs to embrace, a person of infinite worth who has a specific personal role to play in his revolution. See, based on what she knew of God, Mary was able to say, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. It revolutionized her life. It's a prayer that has revolutionized hundreds of millions of lives ever since, and it can revolutionize your life today. And so if you're ready to accept that invitation, then tell him and pray the most dangerous, most courageous, most life-changing prayer ever prayed. Pray, Jesus, I am yours. My life is yours. Do with it whatever you want. And as we pray that or even consider praying that, let's read Matthew 16, 24 through 26. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Let's read that and really like put that, what does that mean to give up our own way? And then let's give, let's give hope. Let's give maybe our presence to those who need it. Let's give our words of encouragement and acceptance and affirmation to those who are hungry for it. Maybe if we're in the position to do it, let's give our money and use what we've been given to further this revolution of hope. See, Jesus is hope realized. Jesus is hope personified. He is proof that God will do what he says he will do. And he has brought a revolution that has and is changing the world one person at a time. And we are, we are invited to experience this real hope. We are invited to join the revolution and have a life that matters, of bringing real hope to real people who need it. When we find real hope, we can offer it to the real world. Thank you for watching this content put out by Cross Creek Community Church. Uh, thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for listening on the podcast. And thank you for sharing it with your friends. You can always hear these messages in person. We meet at 4.30 on Sundays. 18th will be our final gathering in person for 2022. And it's also going to be our Christmas service. So you can expect a few special things for that service. And also don't forget, as we enter November, we are finishing up our A Home for the Holidays opportunity for Salem. We are raising $5,000 along with Liberty. You can find out more by checking out our website and there's more in the show notes on that. We look forward to seeing you in person and happy December.